This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I love learning from people who have been doing something for a really long time. I think there's a lot of value that can be found from experts and people that are professionals. However, I never miss an opportunity to chat with somebody who's new to an industry, someone that's just going down this path and has no clue how to navigate it and is really doing this in real time. I find that that is the best learnings. Sometimes when we talk to experts, they forget what it's like to become a beginner again. And that's why I was so excited to chat with my friend, Lauren Bull. Seeker. You may recognize Lauren from a previous episode. We talked about forever ago, buying your first home, shopping addictions, all kinds of really fun things with Lauren before. But now I'm bringing her back on again, because yes, she's an award-winning writer and a digital content strategist. And her popular millennial finance site was called Financial Best Life. But she has since sold Financial Best Life and taken on a new career in real estate and house flipping. I have been loving following her journey so far because it's she's just, I mean, sharing exactly what she's going through as she's working through all of these different things of design elements and finding and buying properties and actually listing them. I have been loving following her journey. All of her stuff can be found on her blog, laurenbowling.com or even on her Instagram, Beehive Homes LLC. Lauren is such a rock star. In this episode, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about how Lauren's life has changed since the last time she was on the podcast, experiencing burnout and selling her blog, how Lauren unexpectedly got into fix and flips, where to even begin investing in a fix and flip, like how do you find these properties, how do you get the money to do it, and how much money do you actually need when you're starting to do a new property project. We talk a lot about what managing a fix and flip actually looks like and where to find good contractors. That is something I hear is always a constant problem. Red flags to look out for in fix and flips, the importance of location when investing in real estate, approaching neutrality versus innovation and creativity in your flips, how to stage your flips affordably, and even some really great tips for anybody that's just getting started into fix and flips and wants to take this to the next level. Really enjoyed this episode. I learned a ton. And again, I think there's so much value from learning from somebody who is in the trenches and learning this as they go. And Lauren is such a great example of that. So make sure you definitely check out her website, laurenbowling.com and her Instagram so you can follow along with her flips. All right, let's go ahead and dive into the show. But before we do, a quick word from today's sponsor. 
Okay, in this episode, we talk a lot about career changes and how that might look, but sometimes the career change means you are now responsible for hiring somebody. This is such an overwhelming task because there is so much time and energy and just fear around what if I choose the wrong person? Have you been there before? I know I definitely was in my previous role when I had to hire people. It was scary as heck. So I am so excited for today's sponsor, Indeed.com. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through millions of resumes in their database to help show you the great candidates that you need instantly. This saves you so much time because you get to do the part that you really need to do faster, which is meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering quality shortlist faster. With Indeed, there's no long-term contracts and you can pause your account at any time. And the coolest part, you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates with zero weight. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. So if you want your quality shortlist fast, you need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash money nerds. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash money nerds, indeed.com slash money nerds. This offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. So go find your next perfect hire. All right, now back to the show. I am so excited to be joined by a repeat guest, Lauren Bowling Seeger. Lauren, my friend, thanks for hanging out. Hey, thanks, Whitney. I'm so excited to be here. It's been a hot second since I've done a podcast. So, well, hey, we feel honored then. I know it's it's been a while since we talked to you. So last time we chatted, we talked a little bit about blogging and all of this cool stuff you were up to at that time. Tell us a little bit about where life has gone for you since then. Well, I'm trying to remember when was that? 2014, 2015? I think it was like 2015. Yep. Okay, so five years later, um, (laughs) I sold my website. I am now a licensed real estate agent flipping houses. I got married. I had a baby this year. Um, So a lot's happened in the last five years. All good things. All good things. It it only gets better. But um, yeah, been busy. That's so crazy. So did you expect to sell the website or how did that process go? You know, I really didn't. Um, but then I got, I got pregnant kind of, um, unexpectedly and that just sort of really changed me and and how I thought about who I was and and kind of what I wanted for the next sort of chapter of my life. And, um, honestly it was a lot of just burnout. Like I was burnt out and the moment, you know, soapbox approached me about selling, I was like at the peak of that burnout. And I was like, yeah, why not? And they, they offered a way to sort of take everything off my plate, like the back end of the website, the social media marketing, all of that. So I could just write, which is what I love doing anyway. Um, and so it sounded like a sweet deal. Cause then they could do everything that was really frustrating me and my big headaches. And then I could keep writing for a year and have guaranteed income with the baby and take a traditional maternity leave and things like that. So, it, I mean, there really was no downside. That's amazing. And you sold the blog, is it a year now? Yeah, it it was a year in October. Yeah. Crazy. And tell us about your little babe. How's that process going? His name is Mason. He is fantastic. He's so cute. He's a very large baby for his age. He's he's (laughs) nine months, but he's already like 23 pounds and he's great. He's a chill baby. I have this theory that all babies born in the pandemic are just extra calm because (laughs) it's a way of making it up to you because he is literally, he's, I'm not a chill person 
but he is so calm. Like nothing phases him. He's very good natured and great sleeper, great eater. It's been, I don't want to oversell it, but it's been a, it's been a dream. So awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. He's so dang cute too. Every time I see your pictures, I'm like, Oh my God, he's adorable. Thank you. Yeah. I I made my personal account like private and now it's just all pictures of, of the baby, but whatever. It's where I'm at. I I mean, mine will probably be the same way. We'll see in a few years. You never know. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I will. Even if they're not on Instagram, like your entire phone photo log will be just like baby, 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 baby. That's so awesome. Yeah, your your husband's like, am I even here anymore? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, it's all well, babes. It's just the baby, and then like before photos, before and after photos of the flips. Like that's it. That's the only. I don't even <laughs> think I have friends on there anymore. It's just. <laughs> I mean, mom life, I get it. (laughs) So I got to talk. So one of the things that I thought was so interesting is you sold your blog. You probably had this moment of like, okay, now what? And you decided to do fix and flips. Was this always the plan or is this something that like, how did that process go for you? Um, you know, it wasn't always the plan. It, um, I guess I'll just go back to like kind of where it all started. You know, I had, I have a blog. It's not mine anymore, but I'm still writing for it. It's financialbestlife.com. It was previously LB in the money tree. And back in 2013, I bought my first home. I was 26 years old. Um, it was a major renovation. It was like $60,000, but I used a lot of down payment assistance. I used a special type of loan and I learned a whole lot through that first time home buying process. So I was writing a lot about that on my blog. And at the time, back in 2013, um, you know, just kind of like what was a hot topic and personal finance content was millennial home buying. So then I got all of these press hits and, and I talked to journalists a lot and my name got featured in all these places. And eventually I wrote a book in 2016 called the millennial homeowner. Um, and at that point I was like, maybe I should go get my real estate license. But then I was like, nah, you know, I'm really about the blog. I was really into digital marketing. I wanted to learn more about that and, and, and how to grow like an online business. So I doubled down on that and kind of let this real estate thing go. And I thought that was it. Mm -hmm. And then when I got ready to sell the blog, I mean, real estate was in the back of my mind, but I wasn't really sold on it. And so I just decided to take a break and I basically took a year off. Um, you know, I was just maintaining the blog. Like I would write, most of it was just updating old posts, um, with new information, but I kind of just chilled. And I was like, you know, when, when I'm ready to accept whatever's next, the universe will tell me. And I don't know. I just woke up one morning, I was 32 weeks pregnant And I was like, you know what? I actually do want to go get my real estate license and I need to do it now (laughs) because it's a 60 hour class. You have to sit in class for 60 hours. And I was like, nope, 32 weeks pregnant. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to do this when I have a baby or like have someone come, you know, sit with the baby full time. And thank goodness, because, you know, the pandemic would have made that impossible. So, yeah, I just decided. And then I when I was in the class, I kind of thought well, if I don't love it, I'll at least just have it. It'll be good to have for whatever I want to do. Um, but then in the class, I was like, you know what? Like, I do really love this. I remembered like why I loved it all those years ago. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, I do want to flip houses and I do want to work in real estate. And so that's kind of how it all kind of came together. I love it. Did you start as an agent and then dive into fix and flips or like, how did that go? No, right now, um, because of 
you know, the, the coronavirus and all of that, it's more, I'm, I'm an investor mainly. Um, and then if, if I've got friends or friends of friends who need help on the buying and selling side, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. But, and I would like to do more of that in the future, maybe once, um, the fix and flip business is a little bit more self-sustaining and it doesn't require so much And my, and you know, the, my child gets a little bit older. Um, but yeah, right now it's just fix and flips. And I, I love that too. Like I'm, I'm kind of in this honeymoon phase in my new career where I'm just like, this is amazing. Like, Oh, why? You know? Um, so (laughs) it is fun though. I, I love your, your Instagram that you started for the business and just like seeing, all of the choices, like the tile choice the other day, I was like, yes, I love this so much. It was so pretty. Thank oh, it was you. amazing. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts. And and it's really cool because I get to do things in these, in these flip houses. And I wouldn't say I'm like a designer or that I spend a lot of time thinking about design or learning about design. It's kind of just like, I just pick what I like and I, I pick what I think would look good. And, um, you know, it's not that hard because, you know, these homes are really old. Anything you pick is probably going to like be an improvement. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah. But I just end up picking things. I just have that itch. And I think you do too with all your furniture flips and stuff. You just, you just like a makeover, you know what I mean? So satisfying. It is. It is. And so I get to pick all these things that I wouldn't, necessarily pick for my house or my husband wouldn't let me <laughs> pick for our house. But, and so that's really fun too. Like every aspect of it right now is fun, fun to me, which is part of that honeymoon phase thing I was talking about. I would imagine too, with, the, with part of that, I don't ever foresee that totally going away for you. I think you'll always enjoy product seeing that like before, after and the progress. And I mean, I, I can't imagine that would ever get old. It's so cool to see. It is. And I know some people look at things like that and and say, Oh gosh, like this house needs so much work. That's so stressful. Yep. And so that's why I think flipping will always be a good business. Cause it's always going to be fixing up an old house. is always going to be a headache for some people. Mm-hmm. And so I solve that problem. Like you want a turnkey ready house. Like this is what I love to do. So I'm going to do that for you. And so it's not recession proof, obviously, but I think there's always going to be a, a need. Um, whereas with blogging, I think, I think it'll all, you know, making money through online and being an influencer will always be there, but I've seen it change. You know, I was blogging since 2013 and it's changed so much. And that was, was scary too. Like thinking about future iterations of blogging and mm-hmm. yeah, another one of the many reasons why I was like, Oh, maybe now's a good time to move on to something else. I think so. I think deep down we kind of know when it's time for a change. So I think it's good that you leaned into that um, for somebody that's interested in, fix and flips specifically. Let's start with like step one of probably where the heck do you even find these houses? So are you knocking on doors? Are you sending out postcards? Like how are you finding these places to begin with? No, for right now, um, it's an MLS deal, mostly MLS deals, and that's multiple listing service. Um, And anyone can, can find these deals like Zillow populates with MLS data, like almost hourly. Um, and it's a little bit, I mean, I think you can find good deals on the MLS depending on your area, but they do tend to be more expensive than if you bought something by just knocking on a door and offering cash or going to an auction or, or, or something like that. Um, but for me, um, you know, being a novice, I, you know, I'd only done that one house back in 2013. I just got my real estate license. So I had access to the back end of the MLS through like 
my real estate fees and dues. So that felt like a very comfortable place for me to start. But you can, I mean, you can find these houses anywhere, you know. Um, I would say the biggest barrier to entry is cash. Like it's a cash heavy business. And even though you'll see books about how to use other people's money or finance deals or things like that, generally you have to have like a little bit of cash in order to like put your foot in into these other places. So um, I would say that's kind of, if you have cash, you can go to auction.com and look at houses in your area that are being sold for like $10,000. Dang. Yeah. Are these the houses you're going for? I typically look for like a few things. I like brick houses. They have to have three bedrooms, at least three bedrooms, at least two bathrooms. And so from there, that kind of narrows what I what I want. And I, I've honed in on that just based on I've been flipping since June, just kind of like refining my method because I'm on my second flip now. Um, but I mean, it just kind of depends on on like what that person's comfortable. And, um, some of these things were like, you probably might want to tear them down and then other fixes are just cosmetic. So Mm -hmm. it just depends on like your comfort level, but like you can find deals, especially now with like the pandemic and all these things happening. Like there's, there's deals out there. I think that's a good message. Cause I know a lot of times we, we're also used to our own markets that we look around and we're like, Oh man, like here in Boise. Okay. I, I don't, I don't know if you followed our market. It is crazy here. Um, truly crazy. But there's always deals to be found. And I think it's a little bit of that creativity. So if somebody's looking for their first house, I know you mentioned cash heavy. What does that even mean? Like what's a good amount of money that we need to go into a property with roughly? I mean, that's hard to say because again, it depends on your area, you know, and kind of what the minimum like price per square foot is for you know homes in your area so like you can go and look on on Zillow and like look at the the kind of like fixer-uppery houses and Mm -hmm. and see kind of they have right there like dot price per square foot um but I would say I I don't want to scare anybody but I would say probably like at least a hundred to like two hundred thousand dollars if you want to do the whole thing in cash So one Mm -hmm. thing you can do is you could buy the house in cash and you can get financing for the remodel or you can finance the house and then pay cash for the remodel. Um, Lending is very tight right now because of the pandemic and interest rates are low and, and there's, you know, there's like a shortage competition. There's a lot of competition for the homes that are, are out there because people aren't moving because they don't know what's Mm going to happen. But um, yeah, I would say like, but again, it just depends on your area. But in my area, which is like outside Metro Atlanta, you know, most homes that need a lot of work are probably like minimum a hundred thousand dollars, and they they need about sixty to eighty thousand dollars worth of work. What are you selling these houses like in that example for? Um, I try to hit like that two fifty. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. I mean, it's it's that's it's, impressive. It's a little bit of. Um, there's some speculation involved. I think I've also been helped by the fact that inventory is low. So Mm -hmm. like there's not a lot of houses. And then I'm also helped by the fact that in this specific area where I flip, there haven't, there hasn't really been any new construction or new neighborhoods built since like the mid two thousands. So, yeah. So all of the homes are older. So you can't, 
I mean, it's not like there's like 10 homes that are brand new, you know? So that's another thing. So like there's competition and then there's competition on competition because having like a brand new, beautiful, modern remodel is so rare. So I think I'm, that helps me sort of push the, the edge of that sort of comp, you know, comparable price limit. That's fair. And then I'm always curious about this. Like, how do you logistically manage this? Are you functioning as like the GC, the general contractor or how, how the heck do you even like keep track of who's doing what and the budget and all that stuff? No, I have a general contractor who is fantastic and he has a team and they manage the remodel. Um, a few things on this first flip, I did sub out myself like painting and flooring and, and things like that. Um, but the, the guts of a home, um, I really wanted to work with a general contractor just for like peace of mind. And because I live about an hour and a half away from where I flip, mm. um, my hometown's about an hour and a half outside of Atlanta and my parents are there. So I have that added benefit of like my mom could pop over and look at something, FaceTime me if I need to, um, pick up a package or, or whatever. But I mean, so it's very much like a, it takes a village kind of thing. I can imagine. And so you've got, you've got your team put together. Did you go through like any like interview processes or how do you even, I hear that finding good work is incredibly difficult. Did you find that to be true? And if so, how did you find the people you're working with? Yeah, I got very lucky um, because the contractor that I used for these flips, my parents had just remodeled their kitchen and they finished maybe back in January of 2020 and they with him and his work, they felt like he was very honest. So I just um, went with him for this first one. And I was like, you know, we'll fill it out. We'll see. Um, I also liked him, found him to be a great collaborator. Um, but I had a very bad experience back in 2013 with my contractor on that very first home I bought, which was incredibly stressful. Like lawyers got involved. I was 26. Like I didn't know anything. So, um, I think it is really hard to find good help. And so I think if you know someone who like actually had a good experience. I think if you know someone who's done a remodel and you ask them, Oh, would you recommend your contractor? I think most of the time they'd be like, yeah, I don't know. And that's cause it is hard to find it. So if you find someone who really likes their contractor, get on it. And you know, I, you know, I think I do have to pay a little bit more for him, but it's worth it to me because I trust him and the quality of his work is good. Um, so you get what you pay for too, I think. Are you like reaching out to him too and saying like, yo dude, we're going to do five deals together this year. Or like, how do you incentivize them to stick with you and to prioritize your project? Yeah. So prioritizing my project, um, I haven't quite figured that out yet, but we did work out like a pricing structure where I said, if, you know, I guarantee that I'm going to do five flips this year, will you do it for this price? And he said, yes. Uh, But I, I mean, And thankfully, I think because of COVID, people have been fixing up their homes a little bit more. Um, But I haven't got to the point where I've had to been like, hey, dude, like, why are you not on my project? Why are you on, you know, Miss Sally's across the street? Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So tell me red flags. Like, what are some things that you see and you're immediately like, I'm (laughs) running as fast as I can away from this project? You mean in in houses? Yeah. Okay. Um, that's a great question. So I had one that I felt very, very strongly about that. I was like, this could be a good house. This house needs to be saved. But both, um, the contractor and my husband were like, no, you don't want this house because there was like structural foundational issues, Mm -hmm. um, which aren't 
I mean, it, they he was estimated. I mean, they could run like very expensive, but on the low end, I feel like they aren't that bad. But when there's a structural issue that hasn't been repaired, I think it's indicative of other things in the house that you can't see that probably haven't been kept up with. Um, other things I run from, if it's a lot of it has to do with like not necessarily the property, but like the area, like the neighborhood, the street, like you could see a house online and be like, Oh, this looks great. You know? Yeah. It's old, but we can fix it. But then you go and look at it and there's like, you know, really creepy houses all around. You're like, no one's going to come in and pay what I want them to pay. If this house, if the street doesn't feel safe or it doesn't feel nice, or it doesn't feel like a place where you could bring your friends and family. So that's a big, Honestly, that's what turns me off the most is if it's not a great, great side of the street. Is that something you have to like just physically drive by to see? Yeah, I'm a big fan of drive-bys. A lot of times like I'll find houses that fit what I'm looking for and I'll just, before I even like make appointments to go see them or reach out to the agents, I just do drive-bys. And it's a good way to like get to know the neighborhood because I haven't lived there since I was, you know, in high school. Uh, so it's a good way to like get to know the town and know the neighborhoods and know what's mm-hmm. available. But yeah, I mean, you're going to learn so much just driving a property. And if I'm really interested, I'll drive it during the day and then I'll drive it at night because you, you see things at night that you wouldn't see during the day. It makes so much sense too. And I, that was actually advice that my mom gave me forever ago when I was trying to buy a house for myself. She's like, drive by all times of the day, all seasons. Like I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. all right. Um, because you're you're spot on. Yeah. With let's get a little like HGTV status here. So you, you find the property, you make an offer, you purchase it. It's yours. I presume it's like, you're trying to get through it as quickly as possible to make your money back. Mm -hmm. When you have some money and you're trying to decide what do I put the money into? How do you divert your budget? Like, is it kitchens that you put most of it in? Like, is it living rooms? Like, what do you, what do you do there? That's a great question. Um, and so it is always kitchens and the bathrooms. So if I if I look at a project and I don't have the money to do all of it, I mean, there's no point. Because, like, people who are looking for homes usually want something that's, like, done. And if it's done, then they come in and they think they can haggle. And then you're not going to get kind of what you want. Um, so, yeah, it's kitchens and bathrooms. I think paint also just, like, ugh goes so far like a complete paint of a house can just do wonder so I always pay for that um and flooring I think you know sometimes these houses have flooring that's like okay but fresh flooring just makes a home feel so just upgraded and and new and that's really it's not necessarily making something like the most design-tastic or, or mm. even, like, beautiful. It's, it's like how do we make this feel fresh like I think people want to live in like fresh clean spaces. So mm-hmm. that's really where I prioritize. Um, when I want to get like a little sassy with myself, I like try to spend a little bit more on like lighting and, and knobs and little fixtures and things that I think make it feel. Cause I think sometimes you can walk into a house and you're like, Oh God, like this was a flip. Like <laughs> totally yep. that's 98 cent tile from home Depot. Like that's a $20 <laughs> boob light. You're like, okay. Yep. So like it's, it's new but it's all just so like blah. It's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel it. Yeah. So like I try to make it like, oh, someone lived in this home and loved it enough to take time to pick things out. Like like I was gonna live here, but I'm not. If that makes sense. So no, that's that makes so much sense. How I approach sort of designing it. 
How do you approach? So I have somewhat of like funky design sometimes where I'm like, oh, I would love this. How do you approach neutrality versus like design and like personality? Do you have any like tips there? Yeah, I do. So a lot of it, I think, comes down to color. I think if it's like a funky choice, but it's in a neutral color, I think it's a little bit more palatable that when you try to like do something really aggressive with color, because color can be incredibly polarizing, um, much more so than say like a light fixture, if that makes sense. Um, it also depends on kind of like how much of it you're using. So for example, in my last flip, I don't know if you saw this, I did a blue on the walls Mm -hmm. and it was, it turned out like a little bit more nursery blue than I was thinking. And I put it up on Instagram and most of the people hated it, like hated it. And so I was, <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, I might have to completely pay to repaint. You know, that's like 3,500, 5,000 bucks. Um, but then, you know, got a buyer who loved it. So, <laughs> oh, that's so this, cool. yeah, I think it's just kind of like a learning curve. I definitely think I'm probably going to go like a white or a gray or something for this next one. But, um, I think neutrality is always good. And I try to keep that in mind. Cause if it were just me, I'd be like, Oh, you know, let's make this funky. You know? Same. Same. Completely. Yeah. And I, I think it's always so tough. And then with flooring, what are you finding? Is it solid surfaces, like all laminate floors? Is it carpet, a mix? What are you finding that buyers prefer? Yeah, it's it's definitely a mix. And in terms of like what buyers prefer, I, you know, I haven't gotten too deep into that. I just know that for me, for a flip, um, I almost try to always do carpet in the bedrooms because it's cheaper and then do the solid surfaces on the common areas of the home. Um, even though that's, you know, if it were my own home, I probably wouldn't do that because I just don't personally prefer carpet. But I think from like a price point, carpet is pretty good. And it's it's going to sort of save save money off your budget. Um, yeah, I did a high-end laminate on this, this first flip. And then on the second one, we're actually doing hardwood. <laughs> oh, cool. The second floor is hardwood. And so I'm like, I think it looks really terrible to have a laminate butt up to a hardwood. So I'm like, well, I guess we're doing hardwoods. So. Dang. What's the cost on all hardwoods? Uh, it's like six fifty a square foot. It's a Ooh. lot. Yeah. Oh, man. No wonder I did laminate <laughs> in my own house. Yeah. And I think laminate actually looks really good. But yeah. when you put it right next to hardwood floors, it you can obviously tell it's not yeah. the same thing. So. Dang. Okay. Talk to us about curb appeal. You have some really great, I just love the way you, you look at a property and you can immediately say, Oh, it needs this, this, and this where my head is not there with landscaping at all. So I'm like, damn, I didn't see that. So how do you, how do you spruce up the curb appeal? So that's really funny to me that you said that because often curb appeal and landscaping is like the bottom of the list because by the time we get to that point, we're like out of money. And so it's like, well, <laughs> totally. Lauren, Lauren's going to get out here with her rake and just do the best she can. Um, so a lot of times my landscaping is just like clean up. And I think people forget how far that goes. Like, um, we don't have mulch here at, at the home where I live with my family, but like I mulched the flip and I was like, wow, I was like, this mulch is like $2 a bag. And it makes such a big difference in terms of like color and making it just look really polished on the front. So, um, 
yeah, I, I just try and do that. Just like things to like clean and polish. Cause I don't have a lot of money to sort of landscape. Um, I think fresh paint on the exterior of a home, like the shutters, the front door, I always try to do a color on a front door. Cause I think it's just very modern and sort of eye catching. And mm-hmm. I think when you pull up to a house that has a color front door, you're like, Oh, like someone's been here, you know, it's just fun. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You're like, Oh, someone thought about this. And so, yeah. That's just that's that, awesome. it's the bare minimum. It's it's not a thing. Which is so funny because I didn't realize that that was the approach because it, it literally looks like you put a lot of time and energy into it every time I see it. Thank you. Yeah, it's just paint and like cleanup and mulch. I dig it. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> I, I need that too, actually. Like I was looking at my backyard earlier. I'm like, oh, damn, I need to do some cleanup back there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. And that stuff's free if you do it yourself. Like you don't have to pay someone to do that. So from like a flipping perspective, it's it's really great bang for your buck. When you're looking at the properties and you're doing the drive-bys, you you have a vision, you you kind of have an idea of like what this might look like towards the end. When you go to actually sell the property, are you staging it? Is it pretty bare boat? Like how do you approach that piece? It is very bare bones. Um, I would, I call it staging light. So Mm -hmm. I just put a few things on the counters. I try to do towels and shower curtains just to sort of, um, make the bathrooms look a little less, but no furniture. I think eventually I'd love to get to the point where I could afford to do professional staging because I think it does look really good. But also in the environment we're in right now where it's a seller's market and inventory is low, I don't necessarily have to do that to make my home stand out or to sort of appeal to buyers yet. I think that'll absolutely change. And so might have to spend a little bit more on the the selling side. But it's, it's just a few things. I try to I learned this from my brother who was an art director for the film industry here in Atlanta for a while. And he's like, anything you can do to like add color, it's going to go a long way for photos. So it might not be something I'd I'd love to hang on my wall or for my personal preference, but if it's got like color, like colored towels, plants, a big bowl full of like bright red or green apples, just things that can bring color into the photo. Are there colors you run away from or you try to avoid that are universally people don't really like or polarizing? I don't, I don't know. I don't personally, I don't like yellow. I find it to be very aggressive, but what? Yeah. <laughs> That's so wild. <laughs> it's just so crazy because like beehive homes, like yellow is one of my brand colors. I got this big yellow sign that goes on the lawn. Exactly. But like for, for like photos for like a real estate thing, I feel like, and maybe this is just me, but anytime I see something yellow in a, in a real estate photo, I'm just like, Zoom. I zoom in on that yellow thing, and I'm like, "What is that yellow thing?" I don't oh my know. god, that's so interesting. I'm gonna have to pay attention to see if I do that too. Maybe, I probably yeah. do. It might be a different color though. Huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to this a little bit more. That's so funny. And then with your flips too, are you doing one at a time? Or are you doing multiple at a time? Like, wh- what's your management style there? Yeah, right now it's one at a time. I would eventually love to get to the point where I could scale up and do two at a time. Um, but again, like. I right now it we're trying to do all of these in cash without a lender. So um I can just do one and then if I wanted to do two, I'd have to like go out and find an, another crew and I just don't have the emotional or mental bandwidth to do that right now. I don't blame you. I think one sounds like plenty. Yeah. It it's keeping me busy between that and the baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel that. With 
with the flips too. So you've got one property that you're working on. You take the profits. Do you roll all of the profits into the next project or do you pay yourself or how does that work? Yeah, right now, um, because it's, it's so cash heavy. Um, and the projects tend to be like around the same price point from, I've only done two now, but they're, they're probably going to be very similar in terms of like what the house costs and then the rehab price too. I am just like taking whatever profits I make and rolling it back into the business. And I, I've calculated, I think I have to do that for about a year before I can like continue to comfortably flip, maybe do a second project and pay myself. So it is like a long game. No, I know, but it feels so demoralizing. Like you do this big work and you get this big win and and you make it. (laughs) And there goes my money. And then you're just like, well, (laughs) yeah. Like, shouldn't I be rolling in millions by now? What's going on? <laughs> like, can I buy myself a present? Like, I don't. Like, I'm like, well, you know, I guess the present is more another project, more work. So, yeah. I I love this. I think it's so cool, and I've loved watching how you've just transformed into this real estate investor, and you're just doing like all these things that I think so many of us have dreamed of, but never were brave enough to do. So I think it's so cool to see that you're doing that. I just want to give you props there. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's so liberating to like, cause I think I have wanted to do this for so long mm. and then I had the baby and, and I just kind of had like an identity crisis and was like, you know, now what, like, who do I want to be? Cause like, you know, when you're a blogger, your identity kind of like gets wrapped up in like, Oh, I'm a blogger and I do this. And you know, this is my online persona and blah, blah, blah. But I finally feel like in doing this and pursuing this little passion that I've kind of had sitting on the back burner for so long, I can finally like be the fullest expression of myself. If that makes sense. Totally Which, does. It just feels really good. Like I'm, I'm feeling really good. <laughs> so. That's so awesome. I remember when you first got into, I think it was your, it had to have been your first flip is when you started talking about the flips. I thought one of the coolest pieces was you were talking about how you were waking up and you were so stoked to get to work. And I was like, that's it. Like that is how, you know, you're doing the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was so awesome. And I think if you've been kind of in a place of burnout or in a, a place where you're like not in love with what you do for so long, it literally sure. feels like coming up for air. You're just like, wow. And I remember feeling this way about blogging when I first got started, but then it, you know, it went away and you, you chase the money and you, you feel like, Oh, I've, I've built this business. I got to keep going. Um, so yeah, thank you. That's very, it's very kind. Yeah. I think it's super fun. So tell us what's next for you. So you've got two houses now that you're working on one under the belt, one that you're currently working on. Um, what's next? Are you just going to keep scaling up one house at a time? Are you going to become an investor out of state? What are you thinking? I don't know. Um, I think investing out of state would be really cool. That makes me a little bit nervous because I'm a bit of a control freak. I like to <laughs> keep my fingers like in the pie. Um, but yeah, just continue scaling up. I'm, I'm trying to, my flex goal is like, or sorry, stretch goal is like five this year. I think it'll end up being closer to four flips this year. Um, and yeah, just, I have margins I want to hit on all of them. And so just doing that. And then hopefully by the end of 2021, then it kind of becomes like, how do we do more than one project? How do, how do we scale? So, um, yeah, just one foot in front of the other and, and my TV shows. Yeah. I would love to do a TV show. And that's why I'm kind of like leaning into Instagram. I'm like, yeah, Instagram take off, but also cause I used to get free stuff for my old house. Uh, cause I had like an Instagram following. I was like, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if someone sent me a light fixture 
oh heck yeah and not a boob light like that'd be yeah, great not a boob light shout <laughs> out to light brands if you're listening to this i will can you imagine if someone is i'd be like get out <laughs> i don't know like i could still get kind of like random one-off emails from podcast listeners of like these really obscure podcasts that I did like years ago. <laughs> They're like, I heard you on this podcast. And it was something I, I like don't even remember what I said, but they're like, Oh, it resonated with me. So like, I think people really listen to podcasts and take a lot from it. And yeah, I've seen it. hundred percent. I've had some people reach out before similar things where I'm like, did I say that? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't remember even thinking that, but yeah, it's hilarious what they say. Or like somebody will be like, Oh, I tried this food that you talked about. I'm like, did I do this? <laughs> yeah. It's like, like the best. <laughs> yeah. And it, no, it's very flattering. You're just like, cool. But it's like literally trying to remember a cocktail conversation you had at a party five years ago. Like you can't. And yes. so, yeah, I love it. I think it's hilarious. Okay. So we've covered a lot of ground for to get into flipping or really wants to, what are, what's like a few tips you can give them to help them get started down this journey? Yeah. So I think, um, I'm always a big, big fan. And I I tell people this, whether they want to invest or they're buying a home for themselves for the first time, like homework is always a good thing. So before you get started, like get to know the area where you want to flip, whether it's the town where you live or somewhere else, like spend time in that area. If you can spend, I can't tell you, I've probably logged my like 10,000, what is it? 10,000 expert hours (laughs) on Zillow, honestly, just investigating properties and looking up data and, um, saving your pennies so that you can have cash to invest, I think is always a good idea. And I got started it was technically called house hacking. So this house I bought back in 2013, I lived in it, but I also had extra rooms that I rented out. So that was the way that I, um, helped recoup money on the remodel and save up money for whatever came next. So that's something you can do if you're single or if you know, you have a little bit more room, you can house hack. That's like a a strategy. Um, that's really great for beginners. Um, trying to think what else. Yeah, just read. I mean, I'm not a huge reader, but I did check out a couple of books from the library on real estate investing before I got started. And some of it because I took a, you know, my licensing class I knew, but it was just good. Um, the Bigger Pockets podcast is huge. So good. About like, like I don't know, 400, 500 episodes of like real estate investing, okay. and um, yeah, just really good nuggets. Um, not every episode is like for fix and flip strategy, but they usually have it in the title. So I went and spent a lot of time listening to those. So yeah, just doing your, your homework, your education. I love it. I think it's so awesome. So Lauren, this is probably new for you because I don't think we were doing this last time you were on, but are you down for some rapid fire questions before we officially part ways? Sure. I think we, I think you did do this. Did I? Oh my God. That'll be fun to see how it changes then. All right. Let's go ahead and dive in. Okay. First question for you. I am obsessed with people's morning routines. So tell me what is your current morning routine? Um, I get up at like six or six 30. I make coffee, prep a bottle for the baby, feed him breakfast with him. And then I put him down for a nap at nine. And then that's when I take a shower, do a couple things. Uh, maybe journal if if there's time and, and bandwidth. But yeah, it's it's pretty much all baby focused, right? <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> okay, next question for you. What is one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? 
Um, my Amazon Echo Alexa. We use it for everything like music, setting timers for bottles, setting timers. I mean, I was very hesitant. We didn't get one till this year. But oh, for it, real? Yeah, it's definitely because I was like worried. I'm like, oh, they're listening. And they totally are. But it's <laughs> they are. much better. I don't even care. I'm like, oh, yeah. You're like, it's really great conversation. Join in. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so next question for you. Let's pretend it's post-COVID. Uh, where's one location you're dying to travel to? Oh, I, then I'm so into like British television shows, like it's British history, all of it. So I really, really am dying to get over to, to London and, and the UK and all those cute little, little towns. Love. Yes. Yeah. Soon. Hopefully fingers crossed. <laughs> One can dream. <laughs> I know. Literally. I think we all thought this was like a two week thing. We're like, Oh, two week lockdown. We'll be fine. Yeah. Here we are a year later. <laughs> Two years later. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. I hope not. Okay. All right. Last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? I think the secret to financial success is there's two schools of thought, right? There's like, oh, saving, 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 financial independence, retire early. But then I also think financial success is finding ways to increase your earning power. Like, what can I do to earn more? How can I make my money make more money? And I think that's an important thing to think about too. Cause like you put it in the bank and like, that's fantastic, but then it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't do anything. So I'm a big fan of how can I earn more? Oh, love it. Music to my ears, Lauren, it was so good to catch up with you. Congrats on your new career. And for everybody that wants to come hang out with you further, where's the best place? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's at beehive homes, LLC. Um, I do, I post before and after photos and, and kind of just project updates and things like that. So we're having a lot of fun over there. They are so fun too. So definitely make sure you go give it some love. Lauren, grateful for your time, my friend. It was good catching up. Yes, ma'am. All right. What'd you think? I love this episode with Lauren. I thought it was so interesting to hear how she's navigating all of this new career change while being a new mom. Like that's got to be so tough sometimes. I, I can only imagine. So it's been really inspirational for me and I hope you found some inspiration in it as well. If you did, do me the biggest favor, leave a five-star review and tag me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. And let me know that you're listening in. It always means so much to me to see who's listening and connect with you as well. All right, guys, that is it for today. I will see you on Friday for Five Tip Friday or next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.